0: Hello, hello, hello! Welcome back, or welcome for the first time to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett, and I am a play therapist from Asheville, North Carolina, and this is a podcast dedicated to children and play therapy coming at both of those things from a child-centered perspective. Before we get started, a big thank you to Donna for becoming the fifth person to be a patron on my Patreon, and I needed a little bit of oomph, I think, over the last couple of months doing some telehealth therapy and feeling less connected to... The people that I see online has nothing to do with the people that I'm seeing. It's just difficult to feel as connected to the work and whatever the winter is and everything that's been going on personally and in the collective. It's uh, I have felt a lack of confidence, a lack of assertiveness. Like, do I even know what I'm talking about? Like, what gives me the right to make a podcast where I tell other people things that I think they should know? And we don't have to dive any more deeply into my own personal neuroticisms regarding my own relationship to my podcast. But all of that to say, you know, take things with a grain of salt and Donna, thank you because it helps me ground in that it's helpful for some people to listen to and so might as well keep happening. And the topic for today is divorce and family separation. Now to start, I should probably talk about why I don't think this is a particularly good topic in general, and that's because, you know, if you're a child therapist, if you're a person in the world, you're familiar with divorce. What I don't I didn't look up the statistics, but like a large number of people get divorced maybe even the majority of at least American relationships, marriages, and in divorce. So like, this is a part of lots of people's lives. Families look all kinds of different ways. And I don't think it's very helpful for us to hold that divorce or family separation is... A traumatic event for a child, like hands down a traumatic event for a child. And forgive me, trigger warning, I'm about to list off a series of events that are generally 100% traumatic without diving too deeply into any of them, but any kind of like physical abuse generally across the board traumatic any kind of you know sexual abuse or like a car accident that's really bad and someone gets badly hurt or died. like there's 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 a lot of things in the human experience that are like 100% hands down every time a traumatic event and an event for which someone could likely, definitely need some support with. And that support can look like therapeutic support. It doesn't have to look like therapeutic support, but it can. And when a child has been traumatized, PTSD level traumatized, it's generally very apparent. There are lots of signs that that is the case. There is a level of disassociation, there is a level of reactivity, there is a level of fear and shame and oscillating between wild extremes or withdrawing some internal discombobulation, some reenactments of some traumatic behaviors, sometimes distressing dreams, terror, anxiety, Panic that comes out as anger like there, there's I'm not trying to say that all of those show up with a kid who is traumatized, but, you know, they can and they often do. And sometimes that happens with children in divorce and separation. Sometimes there is some of that whole list of things I just described. Some volatility, some reactivity, some discombobulation. But whether or not a child is struggling in a, you know, quote-unquote traumatic way from divorce or family separation, there's often some other factors that go in to have that be the case. A lot of times, things aren't great between the people who got divorced, Sometimes there's fighting, sometimes there's like secrets, sometimes there's parents complaining to the children about the other parents, sometimes there's just so much emotional debris that that child navigates on a consistent basis that it can become very overwhelming and they suffer and they struggle as a result. Relationships end for a wide variety of reasons and I have definitely also had children who have come to see me, children who have on their list of things that they're coming to see me for, that their parents are no longer together who genuinely don't seem to be all that negatively affected by the experience or who can even say things like, well, before the house was really tense and there were fights all the time and people were mad at each other and it was was difficult. And now like we're just in different spaces now. Those things don't happen the way that they used to. It's not like there was some like big, happy, jolly family thing going on anyway. Like getting divorced is a difficult thing. It takes far more courage on the part of an individual to get divorced than it does to get married. Getting married is is pretty simple and can be entered into in this like sort of blissful state of like oh my goodness like what is this gonna this is gonna be beautiful and we're gonna spend the rest of our lives together and yada yada yada. Not that all people who get married feel that way, but you know that's sort of the mythology around it. Getting divorced and getting divorced when you have children is not something people seem to generally do just flippantly. It's something that, like, if you've been together for a long time and you made the decision to have kids, like, the societal pressures to not get divorced, the perceived or real stigma, social stigma that will be put on them by by some other people, maybe family members, maybe friends, maybe community members. The guilt that a parent often would have of like, you know, doing this thing to their children by making this happen. We have this we have this mythology around the nuclear family and that that's the best unit. For children to exist in that that's that's sort of the optimal structure is to have like, oh, you got two parents and you live in this house and you got a yard. You know, you sort of have this thing that's supposed and that's supposed to be the thing. And it's just not the reality for most families. But I think that that idea is in the minds of people who, who choose to get divorced and have children. And so it does take courage to do and it feels worth saying that in my experience when I'm working with a family, it's not like the people the people with these nuclear families intact, like their children are generally like doing better, happier, healthier, more well-developed, blah, 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 than the people who had divorce, have family separations, have, like, step-siblings and a step-parent and split time between different houses or places or, or what have you, or, like, have one parent that's in their life and one parent who's out of their life. I personally can't say that the nuclear family unit is producing healthier, happier children. Now, I have I looked up zero research on that. I'm just going on my own sort of personal experiences with the limited number of people I have seen in my time as a clinician. I haven't seen thousands and thousands and thousands of people or something. And so I think this is something that I do for myself personally, and I think it could be helpful for for some of these children in general that we all mean well. As adults, when we say to children in these situations, like, hey, I know this is really hard, and I probably have a lot of feelings, and maybe you don't want to talk right now, but if you ever want to talk about it, like, I'm here, you can talk to me, like, and that kind of a thing. And I think when we when we name that, what we're naming for them is this is a bad thing, and you're having bad feelings about it. And we know that even though they're not saying that. And so when they're ready to talk about their bad feelings, they can come to us and then they can share those bad feelings with us. But I do think there are times when children aren't having all of those bad feelings. And what's happening isn't some great catastrophe. And perhaps their parents are going about it in a way that's mutually respectful of the other parent, where there is some communication going on where there's not just vitriol between the two of them or vitriol that's passed back on to the child that's spoken about to the child. Like people do some really, I think difficult, but, but beautiful work in terms of like being co-parents and having that mutually respectful relationship. And I, I get scared that we like implant it a little bit in children's heads. Like this is a really bad and difficult thing for you, which is not to take away from the children, who this often is a difficult thing for. And it's not to take away from the fact that for all children, it's difficult to the degree that change can often be difficult. But I do think that when when parents are able to have the courage to get divorced in a way that is as loving as possible, that there are lessons in there for the child besides like, hey, this is probably a really difficult thing for you. There's lessons in there like change is part of life. Change is stability. You wouldn't want to have your child be in some kind of relationship situation, likely, if you have a child, and you're like, okay, with people ending relationships, but you wouldn't want to have a child be stuck in a situation where they felt that they couldn't be their full selves, or they felt that they weren't able to live the life that they wanted to live, where they felt that like maybe they weren't being treated the way that they wanted to be treated, whether they felt like they couldn't trust somebody, or they couldn't build a life with somebody, or they weren't excited about building a life with somebody, or they were finding communication with them difficult. Like, I think a lot of us would be like, hey, it's, o- it's okay to end that relationship. It can even be good. It'll be hard, but it could be really good. And change is stability. Kids are living proof that change is stability, right? When a child is developing, when a child is moving through their experience, when a child is engaging things in consistently new ways, it's a beautiful thing and it feels like exactly where they should be at. It's not that there's there's obviously something to like comfort and consistency and blah blah blah, but you can just see different areas of them evolving. And if that's not true, then we say that like a child is developmentally stunted or something like that or we give them a diagnosis or blah 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 because they are stuck in something and saying change is stability and elevating change is not is not me putting divorce on some kind of a pedestal you can have change and evolution inside of a relationship in fact you probably you probably have to have it to some degree to feel whole inside of it and to make space for your evolving self inside of it but sometimes change for people can look like leaving a relationship, and there, there's more of a, of a lesson there for children about acknowledging that for many of us, life has chapters, and life has phases, and life has evolutions, and talking to children about that, about the reality of the world that we live in, that it's not perhaps some... Um, great tragedy that families have separations and divorces. And I think the, the myth of the stability and mental health and joy of the nuclear family can, can be a dangerous one and is one that uh, I hope to not pass on to our children. And those are all the words that are going to come out of my mouth on this episode of Playtime, which did not end up having much to do with play therapy, but, you know, so it is. If you would like to support my work, head to patreon.com playtime podcast or the support the show link in the show notes so the show is offered for free. And in the spirit of the gift, like all podcasts, head to if you want to check out the child-centered children's book series of which there are four titles the newest one being i have a secret and yep i will catch you all next time